welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about the political nature of Jesus Christ, because he was one of the most political figures of his time. He changed the world. In fact, he changed it so much that it was said that he turned the world upside down. How did he do this? He did it because he was exactly that, a political figure. And the reason I'm having this topic is because I actually heard a pastor in a church state that Jesus wasn't political. And I was astounded that he said that that he actually thought that. And I understand how he has gotten to that thinking because of all these damnable heresies that have crept into the modern church that Peter warned us about. And uh, they are leading people down the primrose, primrose path to destruction and judgment. Because they have Christians by policy doing contrary to the ways of Christ. And pretending that they're Christians. And pretending that they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in truth, they are making other men lords over them by making agreements with those men and praying to those men for benefits that they should be obtaining at church. When you had a need in the first century, you went to church. If you had an economic need, a, a family need, a charitable need, you went to church. You didn't go down to the Roman government offices. People don't understand what a pagan temple was. I should do a whole show just on pagan temples. And you would be shocked. You would be surprised. And most of you would say, no way, that can't be true. <laughs> the truth is, you need help. You've been going to pagan temples. You go to pagan temples daily, some of you. At least every month you get a check from the pagan temples. The pagan temples was where you registered your children. Uh, pagan temples were where you, uh, and, and when I say register your children, you, that's where you got your birth certificates in Rome. as a temple of Saturn. Did you know that? That's under Marcus Aurelius. It became mandatory that everybody that gave birth within 30 days you had to go and register that child and get a birth certificate. Everybody. And of course, Christians wouldn't do this because the reason you were registering your child is so that that child could obtain a benefit from the Patronus of Rome, the Emperor of Rome. the father of Rome that's what Patronus means our father who art in Rome hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come when thy will be done on earth but Jesus said call no man father and by registering your birth of your child with the government of Rome you were saying that Rome was the father of your child the Patronus of your child the protector of your child, the salvation of your child. Because now you could get free education, you could get free health care. Yeah, they had all those things in Rome. 
They had absolute, total, universal health care in Rome at times. It would constantly bankrupt them. And I, I point out to some that the idea of having, you know, total health care in Rome was a little scary because some of the remedies involved mule urine. <laughs> That'd make you a little nervous, wouldn't it? That uh, the doctor's going to need a supply of mule urine in order to cure you of your ailment. <laughs> that was just one of the things. I could list all kinds of things that they had that would just scare you. But if I told you that the remedy included monkey pus, would you be afraid then? Well, where do you think they got the polio vaccine? It's monkey pus. That's right. They infected the monkey. They took the pus and, and fluids from his sores and, made, and his blood and made the vaccine. Unfortunately, there was, I think, a P51, a protein 51 in that that is causing brain tumors by the millions in the world today. How many men and women you know who died of brain tumors, lots of little brain tumors popping up in the brain? Chances are that's the result of your polio vaccine. You don't believe me? Hey, go online. It's it's a matter of history. You're not going to get it on Fox News. You didn't think they would do it. The pharmaceutical companies would just be up in arms if they found out how many people have been made ill by vaccination. Everything from Alzheimer's to... Uh, strokes to uh, oh, just all kinds of ailments are found we're finding connections between those ailments today that are in pandemic proportions back to vaccines so you might have been better off in the Roman days <laughs> with their mule urine I'm not sure exactly how they took it but they also they used other dungs and stuff like that but it's just because you're not used to thinking in those terms. And they don't, you know, they got a guy in a white jacket advertising their medicines, but you don't know where they're getting that stuff. I mean, they're making stuff from the embryos of aborted fetuses. And you guys are taking it. You wouldn't even know. GMOs in your food supply. And most of you don't even know. Well, maybe a lot of the listeners here know. So anyway... That's not really the topic. We could get on that. The topic is, was Christ political? And we got two hours to explore that. And, of course, I started out with blog talk and said right off, without question, that that's exactly what was uh, true, is that Christ was political extremely political one of the most political figures of his time turning the world upside down the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking it cannot be changed without changing our thinking in order to change your thinking I am using facts and information as a lever to crack open the scales upon your eyes 
so that we can let a little light in. If I show you something that wakens you up during the next two hours, it will do you no good if you turn over and go back to sleep after the show is over. You actually have to become a doer of the Word. You have to actually do what Christ said. You have to follow His political plan. And His political plan is that the people care enough about the people that they don't need to go to the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. The only practical way I know of in history, if you can find another one, let me know, to do this, is to gather together in small, intimate congregations of people who care about their neighbor and their neighboring congregation as much as they care about themselves and start supporting one another in ways that strengthen you. Don't just pay your rent or hand somebody a bunch of food, but actually start strengthening the poor, saying, hey, come down and hoe in the garden and we'll make sure you get lunch. There you go. Want a food kitchen? Start a garden. If you want to keep them busy in the wintertime, start a greenhouse. And start getting people who want and need food to come there and work in that to create food to share with others and themselves. And then have those people who can get down there and do some hoeing find the people who can't get down there because they're in a wheelchair or whatever. And if they're in a wheelchair, wheel them down there and give them a small little hoe. <laughs> have them dig in the soil a little bit. So have them start taking care of the chickens. You can feed the chickens from a wheelchair. Start helping one another, taking care of one another. Gather together in congregations. Start those home agriculture, community agricultural things together with other people. Okay, let's get back to this subject. Was Jesus Christ political? Extremely political is the answer. And when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he is comparing it to the yoke and burden of the government of Herod and Rome. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You still have to pay taxes in the kingdom. But how and when and who you pay those taxes to remains your choice. Because that is the original liberty that God gave us. Until we give it up, it's our choice. Unfortunately, many of you have given it up. So now we want to get back to it. So how do we get back to it? You have to change the process of your thinking. You cannot elect somebody who will fix this for you. It is electing someone like Saul or Nimrod or Pharaoh that has gotten you into this problem. I don't care how good Saul was, he was destined to be corrupted. Even David was corrupted. He repented. Saul fell on his sword. How many politicians repent? Do you think any of them repent? They're in the business of blaming others. They're not in the business of accepting blame. 
Now, can we have a free society? Is that possible? To go back to a free government operated by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? Can that be done? Impossible, you thinking? There are two ways to live. You can live as if nothing is a miracle, or you can live as if everything is a miracle. The fact that you live at all is a miracle. And the fact that you can be free will be a miracle too. But you got to start. If you don't turn around, don't figure your destination is going to change. And right now, the destination of the world is utter destruction. And you can't change the destination of the world. You can just change the direction you're going in it. Now, I'm going to lace in today's talk a few more quotes from Albert Einstein. You can, some of you can tell when I'm quoting. But I'm also going to read from the Bible. Was Jesus political? Was Cain political? Cain started a city-state, called it Enoch. There was another Enoch who walked with God. But Cain wasn't walking with God because Cain went out of the presence of God. And what did he do? He started a city. What's a city? Ah, good question. I'm glad you asked. Or did you ask? <laughs> a city. Uh, you've got... Uh, it's a three-letter Hebrew word. And it's translated city most of the time. It's also town, everyone, and occasionally variant. It's, but... Its definition in one concordance is excitement, anguish, terror, or of terror. How come a city is of terror? Why excitement, anguish? This use of the word city is very interesting in the Hebrew. When the people went to Rehoboam and asked for their freedom back after they had been stupid enough to elect a commander-in-chief to fight their battles for them and to run their government with an exercising authority, even though God told them not to do this and that when they cried out for help, he would not hear them in that day and that he would make his instruments of war and he would... Uh, invade Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, no, wait a minute. He just said that he would make his instruments of war and he would draft your sons and daughters for his purposes. He would take the first fruits of your labor for himself. All these things were going to come about if you rejected God and elected a ruler who could exercise authority one over the other. And Christ said you were not to do that. And God said you were not to do that. And you were not to make covenants with their judges. That's right, judges. The word God there, make covenants with those gods, is the same word they translate into judges. In the same Bible. You're not to make covenants with them because you give them power. You give them the power that God gave you, and now they have the right to choose what is good and what is evil. You should have the right to decide what is good and what is evil, but not decide for yourself, but listen to what God has to say. 
In other words, let the tree of life, the Holy Spirit, guide you. Now, if you don't, you won't be guided properly. And you'll lose your way, and you will find your way to death. I'm trying to show you the way of life. And those who followed Christ changed the world. And now you've changed it back. Because you've gone whoring after the city-states of Cain and Nimrod. And you have a name for yourself. And you call it United States or United Kingdom or Canada. Oh, Canada. What does this song go? I won't sing. I'll spare you that. <laughs> that just popped into my mind all of a sudden. Not the tune, just the words. <laughs> okay. Babylon is the antithesis of God's kingdom. And you don't understand how God's kingdom works. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. The kingdom of heaven is about true liberty. But it's also about true responsibility because you can't have your rights without your responsibilities. And if you give the responsibility of being government to someone else, then you're not the government. And the Bible is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's what it says in the forward of Whitecliff's Bible. So that's what you need to be. You need to be that. Jesus Christ was king. He was born to be king. Magi knew it. Wise men knew it. Herod Antipas eventually knew it. Herod the Great knew it when he was born. Eventually Rome knew it. Pontius Pilate knew it. Proclaimed it in an official document nailed to the cross, which did away with the laws of the Pharisees, not the Ten Commandments, because anyone who got the baptism of Jesus Christ was cast out of the system of the Pharisees. They now had their own government on Pentecost, and everybody who got the baptism of Christ was in that government. But that was a government of the people, for the people, by the people, so they had to gather together in congregations of ten families who gathered together in congregations of ten congregations, who gathered together in congregations of ten congregations of congregations, the ten hundred and thousand that we see all throughout Europe, through the Franks, through England, and their tithing men, hundredsmen, eldermen, in Germany, with their detchens and the hundredchens. It was a system of government you will not read about in public school. But you can start it right now. Go to hisholychurch.org and join the Living Network. Go up there where the guy got the little net, and you become the net. By connecting one with each other in your area where you can actually be of service to one another because you're the source of government services in the kingdom of God. Not me. 
You. You are the source. And you're a human resource for that kingdom who still has the power to choose. In the system of the world, you don't have the power to choose anymore. You can choose, who's going to whip me with scorpions this year? That's what you get to choose there. And you really don't even probably get to choose that. Jesus was the king. That's what Christ means, anointed, Messiah, Messiah. Blessed be the kingdom of our father, David. And that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. That's what they said, Hosanna, highest son of David. Jesus was the king, proclaimed king by the people. But he would not rule over them. Like Rehoboam, he had the power of kingship. Unlike Rehoboam, he would not whip the people. He did chase the money changers out with a little string whip. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. The money changers were the tax collectors. They changed the money because you had to pay the tax in the coin of the realm. But they were the tax, that was the month of Adar, month of April. They were collecting the tax. They were expected to collect something like 78 or so million dollars in silver coins by 1980 standards, so it would be actually way more. Their cut, their clip would have been about 9 million bucks, which is a lot of money. And Jesus just fired them. They're not going to get that. Now you know why he was crucified. Follow the money. In the kingdom of God... You owe the tax, too, because they need resources to help take care of the needy of your society in pure religion. But you get to choose. How much can you pay? I can only pay this much paid in full. In the kingdom of the world, how much can you pay? I can only pay this much. So what? I'm taking more. As a matter of fact, I'm going to fine you because you didn't pay as much as you should have paid. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take twice as much, ten times as much. And every year I get to decide how much I'm going to take, and you don't get to decide anymore. And I'm going to calculate not 10%, not 20%, not 30%, 50%. And I'm going to create taxes every time you turn around. But in his kingdom, the burden is light. And the burden is on your shoulder because the responsibility is on your shoulder. Are you supporting the kingdom of God? Are you going to church for your benefits? Or are you going to men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority one over the other? Because if you're doing that, you're not doing what Christ said, and you're just saying, Lord, Lord, and you're not doing the will of the Father. Therefore, you don't even know him, and he's going to say, Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. Now, all I'm doing is giving you a chance to repent, turn around and change. Unless you do that, unless you work together with others, it's not going to happen for you. So we got a lot to cover here in the next hour and a half. Are you ready? Are you, you got your running shoes on? Because we're going to hit the ground running when we get back. And we're going to take a look at what not only what you've done wrong, but what you can start doing right.
I pledge allegiance to the King of kings, and to his kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation, and our heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope, 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar, or 5940 since creation? according to the Bible. Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It? and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Case of the Kingdom. We're talking about how political Jesus Christ really was, uh, that he was not starting another city-state. I had talked to you a little bit about Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was a very interesting character. Uh, he was the son of Solomon, 
And, you know, everybody talks about Solomon being this wise man, but the reality is is I see Solomon breaking about every rule in the book. Uh, you know, a great deal of the chronology of the history of uh, the Bible, we have our modern biblical historians talking about some of the bad things they did uh, as if it was good things. And it wasn't. It was bad thing. <laughs> they were bad for doing it. Uh, we should not confuse ourselves uh, with what was going on in those times when the people were straying uh, from the righteousness that God was trying to teach us. And God was the same yesterday as he is today. And he hasn't changed his message he really hasn't changed his tactics at all the only reason you think that there was this giant change between the Old Testament and the New Testament is because you don't actually know what the Old Testament was telling you because you've misinterpreted it and you know that's a bold statement on my part but we go through that and we show you the evidence you know step by step and of course many people are not going to see it but that is exactly what was taking place back in those days as we lay it out in the book Thy Kingdom Comes, which you can get free online and read to your heart's content. So anyway, uh, Rehoboam, he talks about make the yoke which the Father did put upon us lighter. Uh, when he's asking this counsel, what counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, make this yoke lighter? Because when they elected Saul to be the ruler over them, their, uh, they began to create this, uh, situation where they uh, were under the authority of a centralized leader and he wasn't just a leader anymore but he had become a ruler and there's a big difference and if you go back to the Hebrew you'll see uh, the letter resh in the word for leader and you'll see it twice in some places and once in other places and one of the reasons why is because there are leaders who are not rulers and there are leaders who appear to be rulers and if you don't make those distinctions you will misunderstand what was going on at different times in the Bible but in 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 11 and now whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke I will add to your yoke my father hath chastised you with whips but I will chastise you with scorpions and this is what he was offering. Now, if you look in the Bible, both back at the time of Samuel and at this time, there was talk about the people going back to their tents and the people going uh, back to their cities. And we try to make this reference simply, you know, a tent or a city. But if you look at the way those quotes appeared and we won't go through them because we don't have time for all the stuff that we want to get to uh, 
they were actually telling you something. When they went back to their own tents, they were going back to freedom, where they each individual tent and household that the Levites served, they served the tents of the congregation. It says tabernacles, but it's the same word, tent, tabernacle. And every home was a tabernacle, just like you're a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. And once you understand these metaphors in the language and the essence of them, you realize that when they said, go back to your tents, they were saying, go back to freedom, where you are the government of the people for the people and by the people. But when they say, go back to the city, they're saying, go back to this terror, this civil authority that's going to exercise authority over you and rule over you. And so some of the people didn't want to go back to the city. They said, you know, we're going to rebel. We're, we're not going to stay under this king. We're going, to, we're going to go separate. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answereth the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house. David, so Israel departed unto their tents. They just left. But they left Israel. This is why one of the last things that the apostles asked Jesus well, when will you restore Israel? The whole nation. They knew he was king of Judea. And they had accepted that. But they wanted to know when he was going to restore all of Israel. Now, who is Israel? Again, it's those people in whose heart God does prevail. There are bloodlines out there, I'm sure, that God will use. But the reality is we are to be priests to all nations, to all bloodlines. And where God will prevail in a man's heart, there is Israel. And his house shall become a tent of Israel. If he will come together with other men and other women and love his neighbor as himself and love the righteousness of God, and that's what we need to do. We need to love righteousness and the righteousness of God, not self-righteousness. So anyway, how do we get there? What does that look like? Uh, Woe unto the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So was the kingdom of heaven there at that time or not? Was it within their reach or not? How could the Pharisees shut up the kingdom of heaven? Isn't that where you go when you die? Well, they can't stop you from dying. Mark 10:24. And the disciples were astonished at these words, and Jesus answered again and said, unto them children how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God the Pharisees were offering benefits 
Those were their riches. In order to provide them with those riches, they had built treasuries, and they put money in those treasuries, just like the Romans did, and they called it Corbin. Corbin being your sacrifice to the treasury. Now, there always was Corbin, but it wasn't in a treasury. It was laid on an altar, a living altar of men who provided for the needs of society because they were men of charity and love and responsibility. They were not men of power like Rehoboam. They would not whip you. They would not force your contribution. The good government minister says, how much do you owe? How much is rightfully what you should pay? And you tell him. It's the same way in your government today. You tell them how much you owe. And if you, then he says, how much can you pay? Same in your government. And if you say, I can only pay this much, they say, okay. But we're going to fine you for failure to pay. But in God's government, they say paid in full. And Jesus is telling you how God's government is expected to work. The government that he was handing back to the people. What Rehoboam did not do. I'm not going to whip you with whips. I'm not going to whip you with scorpions. I'm going to give you the opportunity to live by the perfect law of liberty as free souls under God. But you're going to have to do the will of the Father. You're going to have to seek the Father and His righteousness. You cannot cheat on your income tax in the kingdom of God because then you're cheating on the Holy Spirit and death will result. Now you can cheat on your income tax in the world and then they will beat you. And they should beat you because you're a liar. And then you will know the second half of Romans 13. You are in bondage. You are under the yoke of a government, most of you. Now, what I'm saying is not cheat the unrighteous mammon, but turn around and seek the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot to that. And we're not going to get into all that here. But those of you who want to be true ministers of God, like the Levites, and come out first, need to do it in accordance with the ways of Christ. And we spell that out in the Free Church Report. you got to read the footnotes if you're going to understand that book. But more than anything, you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to understand that book. Because it's written in code. You know, the truth is a code to those who do not want to hear it. It is an unbreakable code to those who do not want to hear it. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah, you could get the baptism of John and be cast out of the welfare system of the government of the Pharisees. But unless you had the Holy Spirit of righteousness in you, you would just be opting out. You would not be entering into the kingdom, which was at hand. The kingdom that Jesus Christ was preaching was at hand. 
Acts 14.22 confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that faith meant living by faith hope and charity and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God tribulation difficulties sacrifice didn't do away with sacrifice he didn't even do away with animal sacrifice he did away with the way in which the Pharisees were interpreting the animal sacrifice but not the way in which the Essenes were doing it they didn't they didn't do this blood ritual sacrifice but they did have Passover and they did sacrifice Corbin and they were considered the most philanthropic religious community of its time it not only took care of all its own social welfare needs it also took care of the strangers in its midst but it applied certain principles such as if you don't work you don't eat you can't just sit there on welfare and get a check Matthew twenty-one forty-three. therefore say I unto the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation a people bringing forth the fruits thereof Jesus is saying he's going to take the kingdom of God away. This is the same kingdom that the Pharisees would not enter nor let others enter. And he's going to take it away from the Pharisees. It's there. It's always been here. It never went anywhere. You just left. You went out of the presence of God and followed after Cain and created a city-state whereby you could force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, coveting your neighbor's goods, making covenants with them that say they are God's, and are no gods judges and gone whoring after these systems of government that are contrary to the ways of God now that's what you've done what can you do to change that turn around Jesus said in Luke 12:32, fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom He's going to give you the kingdom, or a kingdom. I don't believe the article there is in the original Greek. And then in Luke twenty-two twenty-nine, we see, And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me. But he had said prior to this, You are not to be like the princes of the Gentiles, the other nations, who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. There are benefits in the kingdom, not entitlements. There's nothing you can do that you will be guaranteed salvation. Not by God, not by your neighbor. In the kingdom, the right to choose to help you or not help you remains with your brothers in congregations of free assembly, not free association. Important technicality and we'll explain that some other time all we're talking about is free assembly and then ministers of the church who have turned themselves over entirely to the services of God to promote Christ 
his doctrines and his government. That's what the church is. It's one form of government based on faith, hope, and charity. And because, and if you stay that kind of government, you have a right to exist in every country that I know of in the world. There may be some Muslim countries where you'll have some trouble. But I bet you you could even get around that with the Holy Spirit. Jesus 22:16 in Luke we see for I say unto you I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God and he took the cup and gave thanks and said take this and divided it amongst yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Jesus said that. Jesus sat and ate with the apostles after he rose and explained that all things were fulfilled which were written in the laws of Moses. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Take this and divide that amongst yourselves. Luke twenty four thirty six. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saying unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands, my feet, that it is I myself handle me. And see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb. And he took it. And he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He said he wasn't going to eat until he was in the kingdom. He wasn't going to eat. And there he's eating. He wasn't going to drink. And there he's drinking. And behold, I send a promise. I send a promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. Ten days later. Boom. He got it. What do they do? They come out preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
and everybody who got baptized opted out of one system into the other. Are you ready for that kind of baptism? Or do you just want to get all wet? Like most of the modern Christians today. Christ preached a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, but only those people who love their neighbor as themselves and seek God, His ways, and His righteousness. The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. You need to change your thinking. Christ was political. Are you ready to change? Are you ready to change the direction of your life? Are you ready to turn around and go another way? There are so many things you can do, but you need to form congregations of record. Because when you do that, I see somebody who cares about others and will go on record and say so and say, I care about others as much as I care about myself. I love God, I love His righteousness, and I care about others enough to come together and make a record of my coming together and bearing witness that I'm going to seek the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God with my whole heart, mind, and soul, and I'm going to do this together with these other people as long as they will go that way. In free assembly, but make a record so that we can find you and you can find us. And some will say, oh, but then they can find us. We're talking about a living network. The record is written on your hearts and on your minds as to who your next congregation is and who's in the congregation. Yeah, we have a few people who will know. But how will you connect unless a few people know? I will not know everybody in the network. I cannot. God has made my brain so it will not remember people. <laughs> I can remember books and chapters, but I cannot remember the names of people. Torture me, if you will, but I cannot tell you because I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, you have to have the courage to move in the direction of a network that lives by faith, hope, and charity. You will not find a political solution in the world because his kingdom's not of the world. It's in the world, but it's not of the world. What world? How many times have we said this? The word world there in that verse where he says, my kingdom is not of this world, in which he is saying to a, someone trying to sit in the judgment seat, it meant... I'm quoting constitutional order or system of government. His system of government was not a part of their system of government. His church was separate from that state. It's separate from your state. It is holy. But his church is those ministers who come to serve. you got to find those people. They're worth their weight in gold. They really want to serve and set you free and serve your effort to set your neighbor free. 
You cannot be free until you are willing to set your neighbor free. That means you're going to eventually have to let go of the benefits of the world. But until then, you have to be friends with the unrighteous mammon, but diligently, diligently seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We'll tell you how to do that when we return to Kings of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I said we're going to talk about how uh, the kingdom of God works. And I see there are people joining the network already. And if you want to join the network, the living network, and become a part of a network of people seeking the righteousness and the kingdom of God and and all that good stuff, then you need to uh, go to hisholychurch.org, pull down the drop-down menu, under the little guy with the net and become a part of the net, part of the living net, the living network, the one they can't shut down, the living network of people connected to people in your local area that are actually striving and seeking to know. Uh, There is so much misinformation out there about what Christ was doing, about what was going on before them. Uh, that uh, you can't even hardly imagine. Uh, 
I, I see that uh, someone is responding to Charles Stewart's original post about me uh, and the uh, higher liberty and the uh, clergy response team uh, still does not understand and hasn't taken the time to understand. He thinks he already knows. He studied a little bit of Hebrew and he's gone back to the Torah and he thinks he's got it all figured out. Uh, and uh, he doesn't. He is uh, more confused than those people who are in the regular churches. You have to approach this from the point of view of understanding and seeking to listen and respect what other people have to say. And enough so to listen to what they have to say and listen to the whole of what they have to say. But people are in love with their personal doctrines. And if you say anything contrary to their doctrine, they immediately, oh, well, you're crazy, you're an idiot, you're... No, it doesn't work that way. Listen, hear them out, find out what they're really talking about. Uh, and, you know, we go, you, I have people occasionally coming on the website and, uh, and, and on the network saying, yeah, I agree with everything you say. You, you don't know everything I say. I don't know anybody who's read everything I've written. <laughs> and, and certainly, you know, I went on your site yesterday and I agree with everything you say. Well, everything you stumble across and everything you think I say you may agree with. But, and, and you're not supposed to believe in me. That's why I have all those footnotes. And, and I'm just giving you facts and information. Ultimately, you need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to guide you in interpreting what is going on. And when you see these people who are in love with their personal doctrine, uh, they're not in love with the Holy Spirit. They're not coming with a humble heart of listening and hearing. You know, occasionally people say that I don't listen. I do listen. I listen all the time. But I don't necessarily, after I listen, I'm not necessarily going to agree. And you should expect that. And, and if you have something to come back with, I'll listen to that. You know, to a degree. If you call in and try to turn this show into your show, <laughs> I may interrupt you. Uh, but if you just, uh, if you do have a question, I can give you the call in number which is 414-395-2442. We'll give it again uh, later on in the half hour, and you can call in the last half hour of the show. But I was going to talk about what you can do, what you can actually do, and how you can actually change things. And... Realizing that first that the, the gospel is about a government. What does the government need? Well, it needs resources. And, of course, that means the people. Well, there's two kinds of ways of obtaining those resources, through free will offerings and through forced contributions. Those people who decided that forced contributions is the answer are going to be forced to contribute. And since you probably are in a democracy or an indirect democracy, there's more people who want than want to give, and because the world is full of selfish people, so you're going to find yourself between a rock and a hard place, and they're going to take and take and take until 
there's nothing left to take. And right now, there's nothing left to take, so they're taking from the future. They're taking in debt. And corruption is rampant in the government, and there's only a few offices in the United States government, Justice Department uh, to some degree, and uh, the uh, uh, maybe the FBI and people like that are out there supposedly finding corruption. and doing something about it. Well, in order to find that corruption, the Justice Department needs the government accounting office, the GAO. And the GAO has done a remarkably good job for a bureaucracy under the uh, uh, difficulties of this gigantic nature of the bureaucracy. And over the last 75 years, they've had over 3,000 employees, about 3,280 or so, I think is the number now, or 235 employees is the number right now. And uh, I think I said that right, 3,300 and uh, something. And uh, they, uh, actually one of the things they did in the last few years is they discovered that the government had forgotten to collect the offshore oil leases money, which is probably enough to pay the salary of everybody in the GAO <laughs> uh, because it was millions and millions of dollars. And they find uh, where we forget to collect money from very rich men <laughs> and we spend ridiculous amounts of money on things that we shouldn't be because they're the bookkeepers. They're the scribes of your government. And they are keeping track. They're not the only scribes. I mean, the IRS has its books, and it probably screws up from time to time. But the GAO is kind of an oversight group. And the present administration of the government, I heard this just on the news yesterday, which is why I'm bringing it up, has decided to cut back the number of employees on the GAO in order to conserve money. <laughs> you know, uh, that's, uh, you know... Uh, that's like saying, I'm going to take the chicken wire down from around the chicken pen in order to buy more feed to fatten up the chickens, which, of course, will benefit the foxes immensely. <laughs> you're, you're cutting back the only government agency that actually tries to keep track of the billions of dollars that you're missing? I mean, before 911, we found out there's seven billion dollars or something missing, and uh, there's all kinds of graft and corruption going on, and you're cutting back the bookkeepers who keep track of all, try to keep track of these billions of dollars which you are wasting and squandering on thieves and robbers. Uh, you know. It's costing us a lot of money in the government, so we're going to take down the guards that protect the treasury <laughs> in order to save money. Uh, just astounding and astounding. It's just like the, what I talked about earlier, the indefinite detention uh, concepts that are coming out of the mouth of the government. When the President of the United States said that, that government's Congress and Senate should have stood up and walked out in protest at the mere suggestion of having indefinite detention of people who haven't committed a crime yet without trial or anything. I mean, 
it's unbelievable that these things are being said out loud and the, the man is not immediately arrested for, <laughs> for violation of the basic precepts of the Constitution while supposedly saying we're going to do this violation of the Constitution in accordance to the terms and 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 values of the Constitution. How, how are you doing that? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And they're saying it, and the news media just goes, sip, 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 like nothing happened. They're changing your thinking. It's already changed beyond recognition. Uh, you know, George Washington would be putting on his cloak and, and loading up his musket. <laughs> and even Thomas Jefferson would be uh, pulling his hair out by the roots if he saw this stuff going on now. And yet you say you have forefathers and you're going to celebrate the 4th of July this coming July. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, but the solution is Christ. The solution is to start being the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And how do you do that? You gather together in congregations of free assembly. You have the right of free assembly still. And you gather together with the intention of being the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And you look out amongst yourselves and you pick men you trust and you put them over the matter of handling the contributions that you make, the Corbin, the sacrifice that you make, and start developing a system step-by-step, baby steps at first, step-by-step, where you start taking care of the need of your society. The welfare, the Social Security, the disability checks are going to become inadequate. And so, therefore, you're going to need to start supplanting that system with another system operating by faith, hope, and charity. And that's the purposes of congregations of record. That was the purpose of the altars of Abraham. That was the purpose of the altars of Moses. Each of you is a living altar of clay. But you need altars of stone in order to organize yourselves well enough so that you can leave Sodom and Gomorrah and still survive freedom. So that you can walk out of Egypt and still survive freedom as a people, as one nation bound not by contracts, covenants, and constitutions, but bound by faith, hope, and charity. And that requires faith, and it requires love, and it requires patience, and it requires forgiveness, which is why Christ talked about all these things. So what do you do in this congregation when you first gather together? Well, of course, try to find more people to gather together with. Get our voice heard in more places so we can bring more people to the network so that we can increase the size of your treasury. Because what is in your treasury? It's all the people that you are freely assembled with. They are the treasure. You are the treasure of the kingdom. You are the resources of the kingdom. You maintain your right to give freely. And by giving freely, casting your bread upon the waters, this is what this is about. Casting your bread upon the waters freely, you have the hope of it coming back and helping you. No guaranteed entitlement. Can you live by faith? If you cannot live by faith, you cannot be free. Accept it. You have to start somewhere. So what are some of the activities of this congregation of record? 
getting to know other congregations of record. Come to the fall festival in September. We're going to have a spring festival in uh, uh, Missouri. Come to those events. Have events uh, locally. Wherever you get two, three congregations of record up in the Portland area, have a gathering of all those congregations of record. Now, what do you do in the meantime with your little congregation of ten families? Well, probably you're all homeschooling. So you're going to have homeschooling projects and invite the stranger in. You're going to go call up a, a business that you want to tour to show the kids how a particular the Tillamook Cheese Factory. You're going to take all your homeschooling kids in your congregation to the Tillamook Cheese Factory. Invite every homeschooler around to come on the outing. Have a big picnic afterwards. You, you could do that. That would be fun. And start creating the bonds of connection. They don't want you out there creating those connections. They want you in watching Fox News. You got to get away from Fox News. You got to get away from the, these campaigns that are coming up. Now, sure, I know there are a lot of people out there, Tea Party people, uh, Occupy Wall Street people. There's uh, some good people in that that movement. You know, they're outraged by the injustices that they see. There's a lot of socialists in that movement. You can't be a socialist and be free. Socialism, you know, democracy leads to socialism. Socialism leads to communism. You know, that's Karl Marx. That's why he loved democracy. Because he knew that most of the people are selfish. Give them a democracy, and this is what they'll, they'll end up in socialism. You can't change that. You've got the democracy created. You can't, you can't take away that democracy. Most people have a right to create a democracy. You need to be creating a republic, a pure republic, and that's what the churches were in the first century of the United States before it became the United States. The churches were referred to as embryonic republics. We talk about this in the book Higher Liberty. The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. You have to become a doer of the word. Albert Einstein said that. There are two ways of living. Nothing's a miracle and everything's a miracle. We can't solve the problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. We have to realize that the election of men who can exercise authority in an indirect democracy is the problem. It is a rejection of God. And it will bring about a system where they will take away the first fruits of your labor. The only way, the only way that you can be free is to come together in free assemblies and take care of these needs without forcing anybody to do anything. That is the nature of freedom.
And as I was saying earlier, the other quote of Albert Einstein, when a symbol unmoors itself from what it symbolizes, it loses meaning. It becomes ineffective. It actually can become an obstacle. And the altars of Abraham and the altars of Moses were living altars of men. The same word for a gathering of stones is a council of men, a council of friends who you trust. And you give them something, and they take care of the needy of your society. And that burden will be light, because you will only take care of the needy who abide by Thessalonians. If you don't work, you don't eat. Even if you are in a wheelchair, there are things you can do to work. And I tell the story of the quadriplegic who ran a machine shop. Been a quadriplegic since he was 17. He ran a machine shop. Very clever, hardworking individual, but very angry too. And set upon by society, by the government of society. And the sins against him are your sins. Because you were not being the government of the people for the people and by the people. When we have Freedomizer this afternoon, we're going to talk about energy misers and tyrants. Secrets to universal freedom. The image of God, the conduit of God. The nature and patterns of creation, spiritual DNA, and the patterns of destruction. How patterns linger. Salt or soda on plates will form patterns and designs when you add a frequency. And that is a symbol of what patterns you need to have in yourself. Because just as you create the environment around you, your thinking is often established by those around you also and by the patterns of society that you create. You change the pattern of society and you will be changed by it. I had a friend, actually a relative to marriage, who was asked to go to Russia to teach them how to operate certain businesses after perestroika. And he spent quite a bit of time over there and came back and he said they're genetically dead. Everybody who had the gumption to run a business and the integrity and the uh, and the energy to run a business are gone. If you handed them the business, they would ruin it because they've all changed their thinking. It's like Sojanitsyn's ant in the teacup. You just keep pushing the ant down in uh, uh, Gulag. Kept pushing the ant down as it tried to climb out of the cup. Gently pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. Eventually, it no longer tried to come out of the cup. The thinking of the ant was changed by his environment. Brainwashing works. Fluoride works. It does the job. Now, you you want to change the world around you. You have to change your thinking. So you have to change your environment. And you cannot change the whole world 
overnight. You can't turn a B-52 around in an instant. But you can turn yourself around in an instant and start gathering together with others who want to turn around and start gathering together with those in such a way that you change your environment for a few hours a week. Community-supported agriculture, CSAs, Every congregation should be one, even if you just plow up your backyard. You should connect with other CSA people and and grow things together as a congregation. That doesn't mean somebody sitting around, leaning on a shovel, talking Hebrew gibberish. It means when you come together to do that, everybody rolls up their sleeves and gets to work. And you work together. You find out he who works should get a chance to eat. And he who does not work should still be sitting on the fence, like old Marcus Aurelius, a local rancher out here who passed away a number of years ago, bucked off a horse and hit his head and never gained consciousness, died on his floor in the old park house. But until then, he was quite the character. And uh, when all the people came to help with Brandon and all the women were fixing a big feast to everybody eat and everybody had to get branding done quick. You sorted out all the calves and you didn't want those calves to go without a meal, so you wanted to get this branding over and get those back. So everybody came for miles around to do branding. Roping, tending fire, branding, notching ears. But there's always this crowd that just sits on the fence, doesn't do anything. If you're not forming congregations of record, I figure you're just sitting on the fence. And as Marcus Aurelius said at the end of Brandon, everybody who's helped out today come and feast to your heart's content. The women have prepared a great feast. And everybody who's been sitting on the fence, you just keep sitting on the fence. And that's what we're going to say. You know, you can't come into the kingdom because you didn't ever do anything. You just went, oh, wow, we were being nice to people. In order for the church to work at Pentecost, they had to form congregations of record. They had to say, we ten are together in free assembly. We ten are together in free assembly. And our ministers are together in free assembly of ten. And their ministers are in together in free assembly of tens. And that was the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And you will find evidence of that being the most predominant form of government throughout all of your much of Asia for hundreds of years after Christ. And it existed even before Christ because it was the remnant of Israel. Because that's how Israel formed. And these groups of record. And they marked out where each congregation was, and each congregation of congregations, just as if they marked out their own soil and their own gardens so that they did not lose anybody because it was the buddy system times 10. And if you start homeschooling, home health, the remedies for home health are unbelievable. Diabetes, Alzheimer's. There are solutions to these things. 
Parkinson. There are solutions. I see miraculous heals, healing of Parkinson. You can do that. But you have to come together and work together to make that happen. And I'm not going to tell you all those secrets. I will make reference to them. But you have to come together to make it happen. So I'll give you that phone number again, and you can call up with your questions, 414-395-2442. I'll give it to you 414 395 2442 and you can call in with a question but is your thinking changing are you thinking realizing that Christ preached a kingdom he appointed that kingdom he took it away from the Pharisees with their mindless rituals and their misinterpretation of the Torah And he appointed it to the apostles who were to be a government of servants. He used to be highest amongst you, used to be best servant of servants, of servants, of servants, of servants, of servants. He is not to rule over you. The power of choice is in the hands of the individual altars of clay. Every single family, father and mother and children, Gather together in congregation, free free assembly, bound by nothing but faith, hope, and charity. Can you do that? If you can, you can be free. If you can't do that, then be content with the bondage that you have been delivered into by the ministers who have become damnable heretics who profess Christ with their lips but fail to do what he said. Yes, Jesus was political, but he wasn't a Democrat. He wasn't a Republican. He wasn't even a Libertarian because he wasn't trying to get you to elect somebody who could exercise authority one over the other. He was trying to get you to take back your responsibilities of loving your neighbor as yourself. He wanted you to not go out of the presence of God and create a civil government. Civil law is the law that men create for themselves. In order to do that, they must eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and give men the power to decide what is right and wrong. In order to do that, they must make covenants with them and with their gods. And they compound that sin with the sin of coveting their neighbor's goods through the agency of that government which they created. And before they know it, that government is creating its instruments of war and drafting its sons and daughters and killing in their name, murdering in their name. So are you ready for the kingdom? All you have to do is turn around, repent, start going the other way. Start gathering, join that net living network, form those associations by free will assembly. 
and why why it's not uh, an association that's a legal term be back after these words the keys to the kingdom Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It? and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 
welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. I'm going to give you that number again, 414-395-2442. And if you're listening and you have any announcements uh, within the network that you want to make, you could call in that number and make those announcements. Uh, we are going to have a fall festival here in Summer Lake, Oregon, uh, on the last week of September. And the details will be announced through the Kingdom Newsletter and the Living Network. And we're looking for people who have uh, abilities to uh, entertain and to teach and to share uh, with others. Uh, we have a, a number of health uh, individuals who will be talking about different things, uh, uh, pain-free concepts and... Uh, uh, grounding and frequency and oils and uh, other practices that uh, can bring uh, a good, healthy, clean living. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, sustainable agriculture and uh, fertilizing the soil uh, through natural means, uh, growing different kinds of crops, uh, growing uh, fish uh, that with natural fish foods that will be much healthier, full of minerals and and nutrients that you just will not get anywhere else. Uh, naturally raised grass-fed beef will be available. We'll have uh, potlucks and barbecues. We have room for camping. Uh, we can probably accommodate thousands of people eventually. I don't expect that many this time, but we could have that have enough of you began to work together to make it happen, especially out here in Oregon, Idaho, Northern California. That's not as far a trip. We're going to have people traveling all the way across the country, though, and caravans. They talk about people renting and purchasing buses to haul people in. I don't know if this will all happen. It's up to you. I can't make it happen. You can make it happen when you're the government of the people for the people and by the people. Uh, you need to... Uh, start working together on this, though, and the Living Network is the place you ought to be. Uh, so, uh, like the Beverly Hillbillies, you got to get your stuff together and get over there uh, because the network is the place you ought to be. And uh, you can uh, find a lot of other people who are, are real doers and uh, start working together with them to make... Uh, these kinds of events happen. There'll be an earlier event, like I said, in Missouri in the spring, and the details of that will be forthcoming. Uh, I I ran out of notes uh, about 25 minutes ago, Paul. Uh, anything going on in the chat room? Well, my notes are your notes, but, yeah, we do have one question that popped up in the chat room. It says, this question may be for another show but who is Satan and do we fear Satan or just be aware of Satan in our life well there's there's a personification of Satan is in many ways uh, Satan uh, and there's several different words that we see floating around in the Hebrew and in the Greek and reference to that but the word that they're translating into Satan as if it's a proper name is, is simply the adversary and if you understand the ways of God anyone who is promoting the adversary or is an adversary of God. Uh, in other words, promoting some alternative to God is Satan. 
And so, yes, is this only a spiritual creature? No. Uh, is it a spiritual creature? Yes, uh, but it's also a physical creature. So Satan is the adversaries of God. Anybody who is trying to coax you away from God as the uh, and his Holy Spirit as the source of your guidance, the tree of life, anyone trying to guide you away from that spiritual awakening that you need to be uh, seeking the righteousness of God is Satan. And whether it's a serpent or a politician or an actual spiritual entity, it's really irrelevant. It's all Satan. It's all the adversaries of God. And unfortunately, most of the priests and rabbis of today's religions are really of Satan. Uh, and that's what it's, we're, well, I, we see that reference in the Bible of, you know, I know your father. <laughs> Uh, and it's not Abraham. Your father is Satan. Uh, because they were trying to promote a political system where you could exercise authority through indirect democracies and, and, and monarchies to rule over your neighbor. And your desire to rule over your neighbor rather than set him free brought you into bondage. Just like in the days of Joseph, that brothers tried to rule over their brother, and they themselves went into bondage. And you try to rule over your brother and your social democracies, and you go into bondage. So you're Satan, if that's what you're trying to do, because you're promoting an adversarial system to Christ. Christ was trying to get you to live by faith, hope, and charity. So, yeah, it's on a spiritual level, it's on a physical level, uh, it's on uh, all sorts of different levels, but Satan's all around you. That you know, this is why I'm always saying it's not getting men out of Egypt; it's getting Egypt out of men. It's not just getting you free from Satan, the adversaries of God, the uh, the mark of the beast, but it's getting the beast out of you. Until you're willing to set your neighbor free, you cannot be free. And how many different ways can I say? <laughs> so anyway, I hope that's helped whoever asked the question. Uh, this is a spiritual and physical journey. You had to actually go out and get physically baptized with water because that was part of a process of entering into congregations of record is this physical baptism of water. This is what they were doing. They were forming... This is how the Essenes operated in these groups of ten uh, families. And you would be baptized into a congregation because that baptism, that washing up, that cleaning up your act, that organizing yourselves with others and saying, I'm going to be in this buddy system times ten and I'm going to watch out for the needs of this congregation and this congregation is going to watch out for the needs of the next congregation to a network of ministers and I'm going on record and saying, I'm going to do this. You're not taking a oath vow, you're taking a vow prayer. This is what I want to do because I want to seek the kingdom. And if I see you doing that, I'm going to believe at least on the surface that you're actually doing that. As time goes on, I may say, hey, I don't think you're doing that. <laughs> I'm going to rebuke you. And I say, I don't see you, I see you leaning on your shovel. I see you uh, dragging your feet. I see you not doing the work of today. 
and working together with your congregation. And I would withdraw my recognition. And I hope that you do the same with your brothers in your local communities. That if you, if I don't see you doing what Christ said, then I'm not going to profess that you're of Christ. And most of the churches I see out there waving their hands in the air are not rolling up their sleeves and working for Christ. Now, there are little bits and pieces of it in every church. And really what, what, what took place, this was all in congregations at the time of Jesus Christ amongst the Pharisees. What took place is all those doers of the word that were in every congregation of the Pharisees left and became Christians because they said, oh, this guy's got the big picture. You know, in most churches today, a handful of people work and everybody else just worms the pew. When Christ actually preached the gospel and John the Baptist actually preached the gospel, all those pew warmers found themselves alone in the church <laughs> and all the workers gathered together. And so the uh, the only ones that you had left over there in the church of the Pharisees were angry, rabble-rousing, greedy, selfish socialists. And they were swept away to destruction. By changing our view of the Old Testament, the New Testament comes into focus. We realize that this is why Jesus appears with Moses and Elijah, because he wasn't preaching anything different. The problem is we don't know what the original, because the, the, the symbols have broken loose from their moorings. And we don't realize those altars of Abraham and Moses were keeping you free from Sodom and Gomorrah because they were taking care of your needs. How many of the people that were freed by Abraham from Sodom and Gomorrah when the king of Abraham said, the king of uh, 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 Gomorrah, or Sodom, came and said to Abraham, keep the stuff. I can get more stuff. Just give me the people. Because he knew he could get more stuff because people make stuff. And, and Abraham said, I'm not going to keep any of this stuff. So who gets the stuff? He's not keeping it. Is he giving it back to Sodom? Is he giving it back to the king? The important thing is he didn't give the people to him. Now the people have a choice. Go back to Sodom and the civil government that was created in Sodom and with all of its benefits and welfare. Because remember, the sin of Sodom was in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor. They weakened the poor through their system of socialism which breeds homosexuality and all the rest of this stuff. They think that the final word on gay marriages is going to be determined in the legislature. final word on anything is never determined in the legislature. That was a news story earlier in the show. Before the show began, I heard it on the news. So it happened to be forefront in my mind. And... The answer is determined in the kingdom of God. That's where the final answer is. And it's with God. The question is, is God with you? Is he in your heart? Are you following his ways? So anyway, any other questions going on in the chat room or 
any possibility of calls coming in, or do you have any announcements that I have forgotten about, Paul, that you can make? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of questions. No, our chat room is really quiet today. <clears throat> Only a handful of people, and I can still see the the top when we began the show. So not a lot of talk going on there. Okay. At least they haven't become bored so much that they had to talk amongst themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, 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 I know that there's this event coming up in Missouri. I think that's in April. Yeah, uh, April, the weekend of the 20th. Okay. And that would be in, is that northeastern Missouri? Or? Northeastern Missouri. Um, there's a place called Lake of the Oaks, I think it's called. Okay. And uh, there's a contact minister, uh, Brent, is in charge of that. Yeah, Brent Jarvis. Brent Jarvis. And yeah. you can find all about it on the Indiana Group or the Living Network. And he's going to come out with flyers soon. Okay. We can invite the friend and the stranger and everyone that we can find. Yeah, these uh, these gatherings are supposed to be festivals, and they're you know our our exclusive meetings and our our private meetings we have on a regular basis, and you won't hear about them because they're exclusive and they're private. <laughs> but <laughs> the public meetings are what we publicize publicly on radio broadcasts, and the stranger is welcome there because they are festivals and they are. Uh, supposed to be joyous occasions, and uh, it's always a joy to learn something new. So we try to incorporate that into the uh, activities that the people are learning things new. And uh, but they are they are gatherings to renew old ties, create new ties, so that they become old ties. And we expand the network out, and we're we're having the opportunity now of having really large gatherings. And the only thing that is holding us back is that the people that are in the network need to work together to make these large gatherings possible. And, you know, I heard something interesting. Somebody was playing a speech by Ron Paul uh, the other day. I don't know if it was uh, on somebody's phone or what it was, but he said that there was uh, two things that he needed. He knew that we needed in order to have a revolution in this country. We needed to have the young people involved, and we needed to have music. And I thought that was an interesting combination, is that you need to have music. And I'm not a real musical guy. I love to listen to music. I love to listen to people sing. I'm not a great singer myself. Uh, sometimes in the shower I might be able to sing, but I don't even do much of that. <laughs> don't sing to the sheep. They always say that the shower acoustics is what makes a poor singer a good singer. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's just the water in his ears. I don't know. <laughs> just sounds better there. But I'm. Uh, but the fact is, I know there are a lot of good singers and guys who have uh, musical talent, and we want to bring those to the gatherings, and uh, we want to also bring a lot of the talented people who have abilities and educated uh, in other things other than what you would you know the alternative methods of health and and good food and diet and exercise and all these schooling. kinds of things Sagan? schooling schooling now homeschooling uh, yeah there's a 
you know, a lot of curriculums. I didn't buy it back when my kids were uh, uh, homeschooling because I didn't even have enough money for it, but it wasn't that expensive, and it's pretty cheap even now. And it's the Robinson curriculum, very good curriculum. I see my grandkids using it. And they're just leaps and bounds ahead of the other kids their age uh, by using that uh, curriculum. That's what we're and using, too. Say again? That's what we're using, too. Yeah, the, oh, the Robinson curriculum? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, you know, ultimately it's love that makes the difference, but... Uh, to have that little bit of structure really can go a long ways uh, in helping develop the, the full potential of young people. But we need to get young people coming to these events. Uh, we need to have them be real celebrations. We need to have all kinds of people, but many of the people that are beginning to change their thinking and being changed by that change. and. See, you know, we change our thinking enough to gather together, and then when we start gathering together and doing these things as a free will Corbin and offering our time, our energy, and yeah, occasionally money, uh, we began to become changed by that environment that we are creating. Have and a then again. our thinking can change some more. Change some more. We so is that call. me echoing in the background? No, we have a caller. Oh, we have a caller. Okay, and he's echoing. That's what's going on. Um, so, caller, what's it's, up? It's Bob the Fox. Oh, Bob the Fox. <laughs> well, I meant anybody else who wants to call in, Bob. <laughs> 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 what's up, Bob? Uh, yeah, I'm, um, the reason why I'm calling is... Uh, is uh, well, anyway, hi Paul. Also, um, it's uh, we're reviewing um, uh, the uh, the Free Church report, and uh, I'm a little confused, so I need clarification on who uh, decides who the ordained minister is, because you have it does say you know some people have that ability that God has bestowed upon them. Uh, certain attributes, but as far as ordained ministers, what are the requirements? I mean, who author, who has the power, the authority to ordain? Can these people uh, come out of the so-called religious seminary uh, um, uh, schoolings, or uh, how are they determined? Who who actually uh, agrees that these people should be ordained? Well, I'd say that's a very interesting and a very good question. Uh, and the fact is, is everybody, and we make this really clear as you, if you keep reading on in there, I'm sure it's, uh, it's contained within the text, that God ordains the ministers of God. Uh, man can simply bear witness to that those men are ordained. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of liars out there bearing witness to lies. And, you know, when you get a diploma from a seminary, that's bearing witness that you've finished a certain curriculum. It, when some bishop uh, says he ordained you, he's bearing witness that you're ordained. We recognize right off the bat that you're only ordained by God. We do not have the power to ordain, but we have the power to recognize. And that's up because the network is grassroots. It's from the bottom up. You have to recognize the minister you think is ordained. 
And actually, ordained, we, we point out that there are several different words in the Greek text that are used and translated as ordained, and they don't all mean ordained in the same sense. We have uh, your average minister is not even an ordained minister. He is a licensed minister by the congregation, licensed to be their minister on an individual basis. Each individual says, I think this guy makes a good minister, and I pick him to be my minister. You get two guys to do that, and you have a congregation. Two or more witnesses say, this man is our minister, and then he's recognized by those two men who say this third man is a minister. It's all about bearing witness, two or more. When you get up into this concept of ordained, where you're meeting the qualifications of Christ, and we list those off, show you the quotes where Christ said the minister had to do this, this, and this, and then it's up to those congregations again to recognize. And other men who are recognized by that congregation recognize. And they write it down, and they bear witness. I believe this man is ordained of God. I believe this man is ordained of God. I believe this man is ordained. And by two or more witnesses, he is established in the eyes of the world as an ordained minister. Now, is he really an ordained minister? Maybe he's just fooled those witnesses. And they may change their witness. Again, the liberty of choice remains with the people. As soon as you see a minister you know, out there sodomizing children or fornicating, you withdraw your recognition of his ordination and say, I was fooled. I thought this was a good man. I thought this was a man ordained of God. But I was fooled, and I don't believe so anymore. And now, he is either ordained by God or not, but in order to prove it to the world, we need to bear witness. And this is why we need congregations of record is that is the witness. And and that witness may change from day to day. Unlike the world, who binds the people together, not simply by witness, but by contracts, you can change your opinion any time in the kingdom of God. In the world, you can say, okay, I'll make you the ruler, and now you change your mind. I don't want to make you the ruler anymore. Too late. I'm the ruler by contract, and until the next election, I'm going to rule over you. <laughs> so you, I don't know if that helped answer your question, but it's by witness, and it's up to everybody. The responsibility is back in the hands of every member of the congregation uh, to decide, is this man really of God or not? Every day, make that decision. And if you don't think he's doing God's will, if you don't think God has ordained this man, withdraw your recognition of him. And so that's how we do it. We don't do it from the top down. We do it from the bottom up. That makes sense. That 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 does simplifies uh, my question uh, to where I can uh, I I got a good answer by by what you uh, just said. I, I also I have a question as far as gender is concerned. Uh, as far as I know, here in New York, we we now have a. Uh, a uh, 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 the uh, an individual uh, female who who has been accepted as a uh, what do you call it a PCM is that what it is right she's just a personal contact minister okay uh, she's not an ordained minister or minister of record or anything she's just a personal contact minister but I I think I know where you're going with that now right. we had a group in in Idaho which was a group of widows. 
and they were actually mostly natural widows, uh, and they had a couple of young girls that were also gathering with them, and they were all girls. They, there was no men amongst them because the girls were either unmarried or natural widows, you know, because uh, their husbands had died. And they wanted, there wasn't anybody else around, but they were gathering and doing Bible studies, and they wanted to form a congregation of records. And so they said, we only have women to pick. Well, in that case, okay. But normally, it's the natural way is the man is the minister and the woman is the minister by being his wife. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Thanks for calling in, Bob. Thanks, okay. Paul. Uh, Thanks, Gregory. God and we'll see you later. Good day, everybody. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.